This podcast is produced by Clarence Valley Community Church. If you benefit from our ministry and you would like to support us, details can be found at our website, cvcc.com.au. There you can also find out more details about our church. I want to tell you guys two stories today. I'm going to get to them really soon. The first story is how I wasted one of the funnest days of my life. And the second story is what really bad thing I did to Nat's fish in her fish tank. I don't know whether Natalie's laughing or crying at the thought of that one. And But today's service, so to talking about optimistic faith, like how we're going to have big faith, and I'll tell you how those, guys, those stories fit into that, is this is how to have optimistic, big, and healthy faith. This is Paul's advice. Be at church. But also listen to your pastor. Like not just not just listen like, yeah, but listen and obey. Alright? That's what Paul says to have an optimistic faith. But now I want to tell you how I wasted one of the funnest days of my life. Alright, my dad, he took he got me in to this like play center. It had games running up the walls, it had bumper carts and like those those you know, basketball hoops, you know those games of the arcades, you've got basketball hoops and probably had over 300 things you could do. It's in Sydney, right? And we paid quite a lot of money to get in. And then when we got in, we walked around for about an hour and a half and we didn't have any more money. And so we couldn't play any of the games once we got in. But that wasn't the waste of the best day, the funnest day that I should have had. Because you know what no one told my dad? All the games, the bump cars, the basketball, all the trick shots and stuff you could do. It was all free. It was all free. We walked around for an hour and a half. We could have stayed three hours and there's over 300 games that we could have done. And we didn't even know that I could have walked over at any time and done anything I wanted because you paid at the start. You didn't have to keep paying all the way through. So guess where I went after an hour and a half? I went home. And it was a pretty boring day. Have you guys ever done that where you've not actually known something and then maybe a long time later you found out about it? You have? And you're sort of like, that was such a waste. I wish someone had told me sooner. Or maybe if you had a friend who showed you how to use something and you're like, that is amazing. Where have you been all my life? Like, if I had known that, I would have been able to enjoy this or have this a lot sooner, but I've had to wait. But guys, this is a part of what a pastor's job is. A pastor's job is to help you enjoy the faith you've got. Sort of like that friend that will show you how to have something and how to use something. A pastor shows you how to enjoy God. You already have him. You guys believe in Jesus. But God has given pastors, evangelists, preachers, teachers, the apostles. He's given all of these things so that we can have a strong and healthy faith. Now, you guys know I'm getting to the fish story, all right? But let's read from Hebrews 13, verse 17. It says, have confidence. Listening, guys, have confidence in your leaders and submit to their authority because they keep watch over 
you as though as those who must give an account. Who are we giving an account to? God. Do this so that their work will be a joy and not a burden, for that would be of no benefit to you. No benefit to you. But how are we going to listen to our pastors? What's the first thing we need to be able to listen to a pastor? You need ears. That's actually the first thing. Correct. Listening heart. Very good, guys. I'll tell you something else you need as well. You guys don't have to worry about this, but I'll I'll say for everyone else, you need a church. How could you listen to your pastor if you don't have a pastor? Did you know there was this thing called the Protestant movement? And you know what we did? As Protestants, we took back the word of God. See, what was happening was in the big church, people started to make up things and add things to the Bible or to the way that we should live our lives. And then all these people got together and said, hang on, should we be adding things to the Bible or just following the Bible? So the Protestants tried to get rid of all the bells and the smells. We stripped her effigies, her idols, and her indulgences. We left an institution of man-making religion. Do we want man-making religion or do we want God? God. But did you know some lost their lives and others got bruised for leaving that man-centered, man-made religion? Why? What for? Why did we do all that? That we could preach and hear the simple truths of God's word. That's why we did it. In a simple establishment, doesn't need, we don't need effigies everywhere. We don't need idols surrounding this place. But we got rid of all of that so that we could pull all that out of the way, get all the distraction out of the way, and we could just come to the word of God and we could surround ourselves with others who love God And we could enjoy him. We could enjoy the truth of his word without distraction, without embellishment. The pure and undefiled faith as instructed by God's word. Yet over the years, after all of that, leaving all of that to come to a beautiful faith, some have forgotten this and then they left church altogether. They who left the church, did you know they hope to be someday numbered in the great congregation with Christ, where all of God's people are going to dwell when he returns. Yet, they were never found in the congregation when it was their day, when they were here on earth. Now, we can go through ups and downs. We can go through trials and changes. But what is our relationship to God's people when they congregate, especially on the Lord's Day? What should our heart be towards us wanting to gather here, wanting to meet, wanting to help each other out, wanting to be alongside each other in life? Imagine if we don't want that now. It's hard to look when Jesus comes and Jesus is bringing all of that together for all eternity. Christ might even say of them, why were you absent? Why did you neglect my beloved brothers and sisters each Lord's Day denying them of your company, your love, and your sacrificial service? 
while these at church spread my father's word, while they bore one another's burdens and sought each other's good over their own. It's going to be some challenging words. The accuser may testify against some. You treated common that which the Lord made holy. God made the gathering of his people a holy event. Colossians 1.18 says of Jesus that he is the head of the body of the church. And Ephesians 3.10 also says his intent was that now through the church, the manifold wisdom of God should be made known to the rulers and authorities in the heavenly realms. This is bigger than us. This is important to God. And Hebrews 10, 24 to 25 says, and let us consider how we may spur one another on toward love and good deeds, not giving up meeting together as some have a habit of doing. The Bible even says, don't stop meeting together. Don't stop doing this. We need each other. We need each other. The conclusion here is, well, if God says do it and some say don't, how could they have a pastor? How could they have people around them to love them and uplift them without the church? That would be pretty impossible. God says one thing. We don't want to say another. We want to be obedient. Don't neglect meeting together. Or we best have a legitimate reason to neglect Christ, your participation in his church. Because Ephesians 4, 7 says, to each of us, grace has been given as Christ apportioned it. That means, kids, each and every one of you, if you believe in Jesus, you've been given a gift to uplift and support and love other Christians that meet together. You have something special to offer. Each of us here do. Ephesians 4.12 says, So that the body of Christ, that the church may be built up. Because Ephesians 4.16 says, Growing and building itself. That means because of you guys adding your bit, you are growing and building the church up in love as each part does its work. You know like a chain? how a chain's got to hold together link by link. What if you saw, would you call it a chain if it was just one link by itself? No, it'd be a little bit of steel, wouldn't it? What makes a chain? It all linked together. And what makes a chain strong? Yes, metal. And they're all holding together tightly. That was Christ's plan for his church. That is what we're meant to do. Upbuild, uplift, and love one another. And a part of that, is to make your faith stronger, is to have people look after you, not just the pastor, but each other as well. But you see, the movement that the Protestants had was never intended to dull the church. When we got rid of all the stuff and just came back to the word of God, it wasn't meant to make people go, ah, oh, like this. It was meant to make people go, oh, it's just Jesus. All I need is Jesus. I don't need all these extra things. If I have him, that's enough. And I can be satisfied in that. But still, some left. But now, guys, you know best, probably more than this older people here, better than me, with all the technology we have these days. And there's a social stigma that's missing now. It's not bad to be at church. You know what I mean? Back in the day, if you didn't go to church, it was shameful. And people wouldn't go for Christ. They'd just go because they didn't want their neighbor to find out that they don't care. But with all the technology, 
and the social stigma gone, we actually have around us simultaneously becoming more alluring to not be a part of God's people, but that's while the evil in this world increases. And that's happening right now. But you guys today have chosen to be here. But why does God care so much about the church? It's a tough question. What does it show of our heart when we want to desire those things? The Lord loves his people as well. He wants us to be healthy. But one of the greatest verses I could find in Ephesians 5.25 for why the church is so significant is Paul actually uses husbands and wives and the love that they ought to have for one another as the same love that Christ has for the assembled people, for the people of God coming together. It says, husbands, love your wives just as Christ loved the church and gave himself up for her. Christ gave his life up for this church, for each one of you, that we could come together in this way. Now, would we look down on people who don't go to church? Is that a Christian thing to do? No. Goodness me. If we walked away like that, that'd be pretty mean. What would we do? If people don't go to church, we love them. You're right. Do you know the Lord is compassionate and gracious, slow to anger and abounding in steadfast love? And so if we come across that type of attitude, we merely only need to lovingly coax. We merely only need to come along and say, well, there are some good reasons. Christ loves his church. Christ died for her. It's important for our health. And do you think God will love it when someone says, okay, yeah, I'm sorry, I'm coming back to church. Do you think God would love that or would he still be angry with them? Not that he was angry in the first place. He'd still love them. They still belong to him just because they don't go to church. And we need to be careful how we treat people, don't we? So I used to think I was pretty smart and knew a lot about fish. And Natalie had a whole fish tank full of the perfect fish that she found at the fish store. And they were so beautiful and colorful. And because I was so smart, not, what I did was I pulled some fish, some guppies out of the drain down the back. You know those smelly drains? Not just the normal drains. I pulled some guppies out with a little net that we had. And I thought to myself, I'm going to make, I'm going to make more fish in this fish tank full of all of Natalie's fish. And I just threw them straight in. Can anybody guess what happened to all of those fish two to three days later? I made them sick and I like your optimism. Some died. They all died. Every one of her fish died. You know why that happened? You know why that happened? Because I didn't know what I was doing. I was making it up as I went along. I thought I knew, but I didn't. And like I was telling you about, if someone had told us about that epic fun day, if someone had told me what to do, it would have been a lot better. But because I had no understanding, all her fish died. And you know, that's a reason why Christ gave us pastors and teachers and preachers and the word of God. He gave us the apostles. It's so that we actually know what we can do in our lives. Like imagine if you're going in the wrong direction or you're about to, in your own walk with God, in your own life, you're accidentally about to do something really harmful instead of good. Wouldn't it have been nice to have a friend alongside you? Or maybe if I had Natalie beside me, just saying, maybe don't do that. 
Has anybody ever gotten you out of getting in trouble because they tapped you on the shoulder and told you to stop before you went too far? But did you know it's not just the pastors that do that, it's even the other people around us. Because if people really love you and they see things that are going on that are not real good, you know what they're going to do? They love you. They're going to say, oh, maybe maybe don't go there. Maybe don't do that. Maybe, you know what? Maybe they've got other ideas on how to love God and how to serve him well, and we can learn from that as well. It's just amazing how God's people all work together for the good of each other. Do you reckon a pastor can tell you who you should marry? What about what car to buy? What type of car to buy? What about what doctor's best to see? No? I agree. Because a pastor's job is to only offer Bible advice and prayerful advice. And what's that meant to do for us? It's meant to upbuild us. It's meant to look after us. And guys, if we have a bit of a trust in our pastors, hopefully they've done their homework. Hopefully they know enough about the scriptures, about church history, about cults, about how to live a holy life, about how to be consecrated to God. And maybe they've seen people in similar situations and they've learned how to pull them up out of the muck and out of the mire when we get ourselves into situations. Maybe they have a life that's worth emulating. And you know what, guys? That can save us a lot of dead fish. That can save us a lot of dead fish. And so my sermon today is pretty simple. It is this. Trust your pastors. Go to church. Trust that God has given these things to us for our good, for our upbuilding. And if, Lord willing, I get a chance next week, we're going to finish our series on optimistic faith, and we're going to end it on prayer. The quintessential, most serious, most important thing we can do in our relationship with God. I hope you can see the importance of church, the importance of pastors and our brothers and sisters around us. Before I pray, I just want to offer to everyone this one last opportunity. Christ has been mentioned a few times today. But I want to invite you to believe in Jesus. I want to invite you to give your life to Jesus. I want to invite you to see his death on the cross, not just as an event that happened, but that your sins were nailed on that cross, that God no longer has any claim against you to say, look, you have, you have done wrong. You have broken my law. But instead, that you are completely set free because of the blood that was spilt for you and your sins. Why did God send his son? We said this earlier, it's because he loves you. And I invite you into that love. I invite you into a relationship with God through Jesus. And if you're a Christian that's struggling, I'm so thankful that our God is gracious, abounding in steadfast love. He is forgiving. And he will let go of every wrong you've ever done. You may not be able to look at your own sin yourself. You may say, what a despicable creature. But God still has sees hope because his son remains risen from the dead for your sins. Turn to him and you receive love, you receive forgiveness. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, we thank you for this church. We thank you for all churches, Lord.
We thank you for all of those who open up your word and divide it as best they can. Father, we pray that we would cleave ourselves to you, but also, Lord, you command us to cleave ourselves to one another, Lord. We have stepped into a faith that is communal, that is meant to be upbuilding. We are meant to be your hands and feet while you are gone, Lord. We can't do it on our own. We're not called to do it on our own, though there may be epochs of our life where we must. Lord, for those Christians who are not in church, Lord, we pray for them. We ask, Lord, that you would give them a renewed sense and a renewed heart to want to be here and experience this, Lord, that you have given us, your church, not the building, but, Lord, your people gathered, whether it be in a barnyard or out on a field, Lord, it doesn't matter. Your people gathered to worship your name, gathered in your name to give you glory. In Jesus' name, amen.